We've been working uh, through a book series called Surprise the World by Michael Frost. And he talks about five habits of highly missional people. We've really been discussing how we join with our missional God. How do we go about that? And we, and we begin to see that it really challenges us to change our habits. That with our current habits, we're probably not going to be all that missional because many of us, not everybody, many of us, our life is about us. And the second piece is we introduced an acronym called BELLS, which is just a practical way to begin to change our habit lifestyle, to begin to change the rhythm of our life, to be more conducive and more available to what God is doing. And that BELLS, we looked at what that stands for, uh, to bless. And we, we want that to be blessed three people a week. We want it, the E is for eat. We want to eat with others. We want to be listening to the Holy Spirit, the first L. We want to be learning about Christ. That's the second L. And then the S is for sent, which is really journaling and documenting and writing down all the ways that God sends us into the world. We know from Scripture it was always God's intention that we as followers of Jesus have a missional lifestyle, that our lives would be missional. We, we can see that in the scripture. And so there's this really a need, there's, a, there's an obligation from scripture to develop these set of rhythms, these, these habits, these things in our life that will foster just such a reality. We began with the B, and I know we've spent some time on the B uh, for bless others, but I think the blessing is really seen in eating and listening. The blessing is characterized through everything. So it's important we actually get this. And as I'm talking to people, I'm getting many stories that are coming in. Uh, as I'm talking to people, what I'm realizing is often we're, we're, what we have to see first is really that we're changing to see things different. We're taking some risks that aren't necessarily producing this Maybe a big aha moment for everyone, but we can see it changing us. And, and so that's where we begin to see the scripture. We have focused on Luke chapter 6, uh, verses 27 and on, where it talks about this idea of loving your enemies. Loving your enemies, not just those who, who, who love you. To bless people who curse you. To love people and pray for people who mistreat you. And he goes on to draw this distinction that loving those who love you, being kind to those who are kind to you, giving to those who give to you will not be enough to be missional. It will not produce a missional outcome. It will stop with you. It will not produce a missional outcome. If you begin to look critically at just this one statement and this one reality that Jesus presents to us, what you will see is it will put your entire life, it will put your politics, it will put our rules, it will put many things in jeopardy. Because what it says is that I have to go beyond what we feel like is just for my life. I'm going to have to step into uncomfortable places where things are transgressed that make me uncomfortable. We're going to have to be people that intentionally look at an uncomfortable place differently. That's the habit piece. So it says, love your enemies, do good to them. 
And it's the part where it says, walk the extra mile. When they ask for your coat, give them your shirt. All of these things. Now, I've asked Frank to share with us this morning. And Shank, uh, Frank was really talking about this morning as we were sharing on this, kind of trying to understand, you know, did this really fit the storyline? If you would come on up and you can use this mic here. But I, I want you to, so, um, so I'm going to let Frank tell his story and then there's going to be a little bit of a test for us. We're going to evaluate how Frank did. So, no pressure. Uh, no pressure. <laughs> so on Valentine's Day, Lydia and I went downtown and uh, rode the, the, the train. And uh, just kind of ventured out and just did something different. And we ended up uh, really kind of eating down there, but we found a little place, I looked it up, called Nico Nico's, a Greek restaurant. Great food. Outdoors, great food. And uh, so we're sitting there eating and we happened to see this, this man was kind of walking around table to table asking people for a dollar. And I mean, our initial response was just ignore because that's everybody's down there asking somebody for something. And uh, of course, we wanted to enjoy ourselves. And he was, he was just a reminder that we were enjoying something and he didn't have something. And uh, so again, our initial response was just just ignoring him. We saw him up on table table. And so looking at Lydia and she was saying, well, you know, let's, let's give him something, right? And uh, so I called him over. Instead of waiting for him to come for a table, I called him over and asked his name and said, hi, we, you know, what, what's going on? And he just kept saying, dollar and dollar. And uh, we said, well, what do you need it for? What do you need it for? He said, bus fare. So, uh, Lydia said, well, do you, do you want something to eat? We can get you something to eat. He said, no. He said, uh, he said but can I get a coffee? And he said, sure, get your coffee, whatever you want. And so I gave him, I gave him some money and then uh, went up to the the, uh, the booth there and ordered his coffee. And then I picked the, whatever largest bill I had and just gave him a change from that as well. So God bless you. And he seemed real thankful. And, uh, and then we sat down and just, Left and I saw him walking off, and he was talking to other people <laughs> after he left us. But you know that was out of our comfort zone for sure. You know we're we're from San Antonio, and you, know, you just don't talk to people because you know you could be threatened. Whatever, but but we really just didn't sense he was a threat. We just sensed that he might have that he had a little bit of mental issue, but that he was just asking for something very specific, and it wasn't a lot. He wasn't asking for money. He wasn't for something specific. So that's what we did. Okay, so that's what he did. That's what they did. So what do you think? I mean, we could have lots of responses in the room. Um, did he do well? Did he just uh, enable a drug person to go buy some more drugs? I think he did awesome. All right. How about you? Think he did what Jesus would have done. <clears throat> For anybody of you that eat at outside cafes, maybe in, in the city or even here, uh, not that we don't have a city, um, and there's somebody panhandling at the tables, has it ever made you uncomfortable? 
Yeah, me too. Uh, have you ever thought they're doing this at every table? They're making more money than I am. Anybody ever thought that? Anybody ever considered that the restaurant should really police this and stop this from happening so I don't really have to deal with this? Anybody ever thought that? My hand is up on every one of these. So I'm not just doing this as, you know, helping you be honest. I'm just being honest myself. Uh, have, have any of you uh, ever just considered that, um, that doing this makes them do it more? See, these are all probably valid in some way as ideas. And there are all reasons to ignore this person, which is what many of us do. Ignore this person. Whether we ignore them, whether we tolerate them, uh, whether we shoo them away, you see, this is about our comfort zone with people, people not like us in that moment. If you've ever been homeless and you ever panhandled, then you have a great affinity for this individual. But if you haven't been there, they are different than you. They're different than me. And this is not about judging anybody here, not about shaming anybody, what your views are, whether you're thinking, well, I just think it was a poor use of a dollar. Uh, my, my challenge to us is Frank stepped out of his comfort zone with a human being. That's what he did. Stepped out of his comfort zone with a human being. And he did the hard work of trying to figure it out. That's the hard work. You know, we really don't even care about the dollar. It's the hard work. And so we often fall back on easy, simple rules. So I don't have any hard work. Hard work here. Hard work here. And my time. I think this is how habits change. It's not about, did he do the right thing? It's he erred on the side of showing grace and mercy. Thank you, Frank. Great job out there. Yes, See, this message is about us changing, and the world benefits from it. That's what it's really about. It's us changing, the world benefits. The Lord is not trying to bless the world in exclusion of you or I. He is blessing the world through us as we experience life change. If you did not hear the message last week, Kim and Jeff shared. I'm always grateful. Uh, Jeff is bold enough to share moments that he didn't shine. I think it, um, and if you're honest, you relate to those as much or more than somebody who does shine. And uh, this week, it was yesterday, Melinda and I were at Micro Center up in Houston. Uh, I was pulling, it's very busy. Everybody was at Micro Center. Um, and I was going forward, but I'm, because I'm a gracious guy, I stopped to let this car back out, and he was very close to me on this side, so uh, he's backing out, and I couldn't turn into his spot, and there's a car coming in front of the way, and that's my spot right there. I'm waiting on that spot. That's my spot. And uh, this guy pulls up like he's going to pull into this spot, which would have made sense. 
You pull in here, I pull in here, everything is good. That's not what he does. He pulls forward and he backs in to my spot. My thought. This is my initial thought. That's my spot. That was my initial thought. I wasn't necessarily angry, but it was clearly a violation. All right? That was my spot. And, and in that moment, I thought of Jeff. That's what our stories can do for us. The good ones and the ones that struggle. I thought of Jeff, and Jeff inspired me in that moment. Wait. Don't be like Jeff. Don't be like Jeff. <laughs> No, what Jesus is really saying is, don't be like Bill. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying. And so I go, wait. Now, as we, as we studied in the scripture where Jesus says, if they tell you to go one mile, go two. And we really understand that that's, that's about taking back the power of the blessing. For those of us who want control of the situation, if something is taken from you, that's the way it sits until you decide, no, I'm going to give something. That takes back the power, the blessing. It says the not yet of the kingdom is overpowered by the already. Instead of being offended, I'm going to bless you. And this is one of those moments I saw that. I said, okay, it's been taken from me. So I'm going to go on the offense. I'm going to give now. So I pull in because there's a spot a little further down and because it just cleared out. And so I'm going to pull in there and... And he is trying to get out of his car, and he's held up like this against the door so I can pull in. And then I see it. He's got a grandmother and an infant that's in a car seat. And I'm, and I'm assuming his wife. I stopped the vehicle. I rolled my window down. I said, go ahead and take care of your family. So he opens the back door, he gets the baby out, he gets the bag out, he goes around to the other door, he gets the grandmother out, and the wife is getting out. It takes like three or four minutes. All right, in that three or four minutes, you know what I was doing? I was standing guard over them. I was blocking no cars were going to challenge them. My thought was, I have all day. I have you covered. Take your time. Take care of your family. You see how different it turned out? All of a sudden, I was in a position of power. I was defending. I was protecting. I was honoring. And as he walks by, he just expresses his gratefulness. That's, that's the difference. That's how it can look. These, Jesus is saying, are the habits of people on mission. It's why they stand out. It's why they're seen from a long way away. We'll see more of that in a minute. So the, being the blessing of Jesus, we broke it down in three pieces. Words of affirmation, words of kindness, words that build up, words that encourage. Even speaking things that don't look true, you can do this. Even if they, I don't think he can do it. But I'm going to tell him he can because he walks with Jesus. Acts of kindness and gifts. And Betty followed up with you last week, and she gave us these points, and I, 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 they're going to hand these out to you. So if you would go ahead and hand these out. These are kind of bullets to live by if you're wanting to change 
your habits to be missional. And we focused on difficult people and difficult moments. Everybody got one? So on difficult people, you have five things. And on difficult moments, we have six things. Number one, we need to remember with difficult people, he created them in his image. He created them in his image. These are, these are things you must know because there are things that Jesus knows and we're going to have to start relying on him because the moment does not give us good stuff to work with. He was, they were created in his image. He is, at, he is at work acting in mission right now. Right now, mission is in play. You have to know it's in play right now or you'll give it up. You have to reach for the different road. I will affirm, I will encourage, I will bless. I will call out things that they can't even see in themselves. I will see this as a pivotal moment. And I will see big and I will sell hard. In other words, I will not worry about overstating their value. I will not worry about overstating their purpose. I will not worry about overstating the love and the pursuit of Jesus for them. It cannot be done. Difficult moments. It's a model for others. They're watching. They're looking. Everybody is. Is there something different about you? Number two, reaffirm God is in control. We need to really get that in our moment. God is, at, is in control in this moment. Reaffirm my own identity. I am loved. I am pursued. I am valuable. I have purpose. I have a great identity. He is with me in this moment. And I must return to joy. I must return to joy. I must return to joy as fast as I can. These moments carry eternal quality. All right. I hope you will take these and you will peruse these. You will let these kind of sink in for you. In Colossians 4, verses 3 through 6, we see how the scripture talks about recognizing the opportunities of your circumstances. This is Paul talking uh, to the Colossians. And here's what he says. And he's talking about himself. He says, pray for us too. That God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. There it is. What do I want you to pray for? For many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan. What am I? And, and he goes on to say, I will proclaim this message uh, as clearly as, as I should. It's why I'm here in chains. He's saying, the reason I'm in chains, the reason I'm incarcerated is to give me opportunities. That's looking at the moment differently, isn't it? That's seeing purpose for your life. That's seeing destiny. That's seeing value. That's seeing mission. That's seeing God is involved in what's going on in your life. And you're in chains. You're incarcerated. What does he want for prayer? 
Please pray, get me out of these chains. Get me out of here. I'm innocent. That's not what he's saying. He doesn't even mention that. In fact, he almost suggests that's not the right way to pray for me. But pray for opportunities that I can speak of the mysterious plan. It's why I'm in this moment. And not only pray that I can proclaim in these opportunities, but pray that I do it well. That I am convincing. That I am powerful in that message. See, does he sound like a victim? Does he sound like he's struggling in injustice? Does he sound like I'm angry with God? I need to know why. Is any of that true? You see how different he is here? You see, that's a missional person walking with God. Then he comes back. Live wisely among those who are not believers. And make the most of what? Every opportunity. Let your conversations be filled with gracious and what? Attractive. So that you will have the right response from everyone. You see, the church... My opinion, and not all of the church, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak generally of the church. Historically, we have not done this well. We've seen ourselves more of a defender. Fearful that the world is chipping away at the righteousness. I hear this all the time, that the reason God has blessed the United States is because we have been a country that follows God. I'm not, I'm not willing to say that. I'm not willing to say that's why God has blessed this country. Because then I would have to answer for why he blessed other countries that don't follow Jesus. I, I'm, I'm not willing to say that. I think, I think it troubles me to think that we as a whole are somehow good enough or our convictions are strong enough that that has prevented the judgment of God from touching us. I don't, I don't believe that's true. I believe we've lived in great mercy and great grace and I believe we've lived in great purpose. When we had in the 60s, very difficult times with race issues. By the, for the most part, the church was not the leading edge of righteousness. But we found this rule and that rule and this little particular scripture, that scripture. We found lots of reasons to just be kind of on the sidelines. You know, so many issues. We are slow to take our position at the front. We are slow to let our conversations be gracious 
and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. We have to step into the discomfort of places where people do not agree with the church, do not agree with, with us, and see them as opportunities to be gracious and attractive in our response for everyone. This is where opportunity is. Opportunity knocks all the time with us. Galatians 6.10 says, therefore, whenever you have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Now, for those of us who like to look at that, that the family of faith gets the extra blessing, I really don't see it that way. I see this as we, in that investment, in that investment of making the most of an opportunity with someone in the faith, what I'm really doing is ensuring that the missional people are strong. I'm investing in the missional quality. So when Jeff shares his story, it had a missional quality for me. You see, that's how we can invest in it. That's why your stories and my stories are powerful. That's why they're important. That's why they're important for you and I to hear. Based on that, I would like for Kim is going to share uh, a story of hers about opportunity. Here's what it looks like. Kim, no offense, and I don't see this as Kim, but Kim on paper is probably an average, middle-class American woman. And there's nothing wrong with being an average, middle-class American woman. It's just... Um, she doesn't have a PhD in theology that I'm aware of. Um, I've never seen her walk on water, but I know that in the right context she could. Uh, she's a great friend and, a, and an amazing believer. Uh, but, but she's like you and me, you know. Can you get that? Yeah, okay. Um, the story has to do with um, this purse that I got. Um, we were in um, Puerto Vallarta back in November, and we were going through the shops and stuff as we were waiting for our flight home. And I had a little pocket money, and I called my mad money. Jeff said, where was his mad money? I said, I don't know. In her pocket. <laughs> it was probably in my pocket. So um, anyway, I, uh, I decided, you know, um, this, this purse stuck out to me, and we just had such a great time there, and I wanted something to remember um, my time there, and um, and I, you know, thought, okay, well, that purse is so expensive, but, you know, the wallet's too tiny, and anyway, so I splurged, and I got this purse, and it sat on my desk for a couple weeks, and then finally I grabbed it, and I started carrying it around, and I've just gotten so many compliments on it, and, and you know, I try to explain what the purse is, and it, what this is, is it has a bunch of little dolls on it, and um, on front and back, there's just little rows of dolls, and what they're called are, they're called worry dolls, and what the story behind them is, is that 
you place your worries on them so that you don't have to carry that around. So, I, you know, I don't believe in those kind of superstitions and those kinds of things. And so I struggled with how to word that when people would ask me about it. And so uh, about a week ago, I, a week and a half ago, I was at HEB. I had to go to the grocery store because I had to buy food for Alpha. I hate the grocery store, but I went anyway. And so I uh, get up to the checkout and I set my purse down. I'll set it down. Because it's hard to move things when you've just got that little strap on your arm. And so I set it down on the counter right in front of the cashier. And I go back to my basket and I'm pulling things out and I'm setting it up on the, on the uh, thing. And next thing I hear is, did you make that yourself? And I turn and I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're looking at my purse. She's looking at, at the purse sitting up on the counter. And I said, oh, no, um, I got that in Puerto Vallarta. And, and so um, I said something to the effect of, those are worry dolls. You place your worries on them. Next thing I know, that cashier and the cashier next to her both have their hands on my purse. <laughs> and they're praying and putting their worries on my purse. And I'm like, okay, what do I do now? How, you know, <laughs> they're putting all their worries on my purse. And then light bulb goes off. And I said, well, I can pray for you. And it became very clear to me that this may have been some sort of idea or superstition of somebody else's, but the Holy Spirit was using it as a way to open up a conversation with my cashier and anybody else from now on who asks about my purse. And so, um, so I, I, I asked her after I finished getting all my stuff up on, on, the, um, on the belt, and I said, so what kind of worries do, do you need to unload? And she just said, she looked at me and she said, well, I'm just recently a single mom and it's been really hard on me. I was married for about 11 years. And um, so, you know, so we just kind of started talking and I said, I would be glad um, to, to pray for you. And there were several people backing up in line, so I wasn't able to do it right then or I would have, but, um, you know, she just, um, you know, she said, well, if you want to um, pray to God by name, you know, you can give him my name. <laughs> so, um, so that was a, a great opportunity that I had just because of, you know, of a purse, you know. And I'm not always just outgoing. Sometimes I can just be task-oriented, but God really opened that up to, to something a whole lot bigger than what was going on. Isn't that great? Your purse opens up the dialogue. And what I find amazing is if it becomes obvious in some way, the world will ask you for it. They will want something because the world is in need. We, uh, part of our habit changing is to get better at seeing 
opportunities, to get better at catching them in the moment. I am convinced we have opportunities, and I want you to call me or text me during the week and tell me about your opportunities, and I'd love for my voicemail to be full where the people of God in different engagements had great things happen. I'm going to show you another one. This is off of video number one, James. Um, and you might have heard about this. This is Dutch Brothers Coffee. Um, and we're going to have uh, um, just kind of a demonstration of what these guys did uh, when their opportunity came. But here's the deal. If you, if you could hear these guys, and I don't know if the interview, if it comes out any better later on, I don't know. But what I love about these guys, they interviewed them, and they said, this lady was distraught. We stopped everything we were doing because this is what we do. And I counted them. There were four or five guys with their hands all out this window praying for this lady. And what had happened is, this lady had lost her husband. Her husband had passed away. And he says, when somebody's in trouble, when somebody's hurt, when somebody's sad, that's when we go to work. It's what we do. Do you hear that language? Yeah, they sell coffee. Yeah, they make drinks. Yeah, they go to school, whatever it is. But what they saw was when somebody is struggling, we go to work. It's what we do. And they prayed for this lady. And the line is backing up. And where the picture is coming from is somebody behind their car who is waiting in line and unlike some of us, actually recognized something good was going on instead of honking the horn like, come on, I'm late for work. It's a drive-through, so let's drive through. But they see what's going on. They take a picture of it. And the picture goes viral. And so they go and they interview these people. And they interview the lady who owns this coffee stand, Dutch Brothers. And, and well, actually, before they interview her, she sees it on TV. She says, oh, I'm so glad my company cares about people, what's going on. And then she reckoned, wait a minute, those are my guys. That's my store. That's how a pastor feels when they say, oh, wait, those are my folks. All right, so here's the deal. Can we go back to the PowerPoint? We have another video for you to redeem this, so we're good. <laughs> It'll be good. Opportunity is there. And here's, here's what the scripture suggests. Your life, my life, is a great piece of history filled with missional opportunity. Your life and my life. If, if you were to ask God to characterize your life, it would be that it was a significant piece of history filled with missional opportunity. And the question becomes, what did we do with it? Galatians 6, verses 8 and 9, it says, Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature 
will harvest decay and death. What it's saying is, if we only look after ourselves, we're looking after our well-being, we're looking after our interests, we're carrying on our life to our best ability for us, it won't produce life. When I die, then things I did that were good will be dispersed to others. But those who live to please the Spirit, in other words, those who live and they're able to get outside of their self, seize opportunities, and move in your mission that you were created for, it says, they will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good and just uh, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. Let's get good at doing what is there in the moment. You see, it's this great piece of history with missional opportunities. And the question is, which ones will you see? Your history filled with missional opportunities. Which ones will you capture? And a good question is, which opportunities will capture you? Now, if we could play this next video, I'm sure it's going to work great. It's an incredible story of compassion and kindness that we covered here on Fox 12, and now it's gone viral. You may have seen this picture taken at a local Dutch Bros coffee stand, some workers comforting and praying with a woman whose husband just died. Well, tonight, we're finally hearing from that woman and what that moment meant to her. Fox 12's Jamie Wilson joins us live in Vancouver with that exclusive interview. Jamie? Well, Pete, since our story aired a couple weeks ago, it has been viewed online more than 38 million times. Just incredible. But it all started right here at this drive-through coffee stand with some thoughtful employees who reached out to a grieving customer. And that customer tells me it's exactly what she needed. You're doing something like cooking dinner or putting away the laundry and you hit to that for the rest of your life. You're never going to see that person again. For Alicia Wisby, the grief is just beginning after losing her husband, Adam, to heart disease. The day after he died, Alicia went to Dutch Bros with a friend to try to feel normal just for a second, but an employee brought it all back. I mean, I've been there for years, been going there. And she goes, how's your husband? Because she knew that he was on a new heart. He just got a, approved for a heart transplant, and I just lost it. Alicia pulled up to the window in tears, and something happened she never expected. The baristas reached out their hands and asked if they could pray with her. They wanted to let me know that I'm not alone, and that they feel my pain, and that, and that no matter what faith you are, what color you are, or who you are, they, other people can know, feel your pain, and they're there for you. It was a touching moment that Alicia thought was fleeting. But a few days later, someone showed her this picture, her moment captured on camera, now going viral. And then, of course, she saw our story with Pierce Dunn and Evan Freeman. We got this. We're going to do what we do every time we get someone who's in pain or hurt. We're going to give them our love. I saw it was looking at a picture, and I started to cry. 
That picture has not only reminded Alicia of how many good people are really out there, it's also given her a priceless tribute to Adam. Something spiritual or something beautiful like that, you can't always see it. But at that moment, I, I can now because I have a picture of it and it's just like, that's another way I can remember him. And Alicia tells me that she thinks people are sharing that picture and the story so much because most everyone can relate to losing a loved one and then needing hope. Live in Vancouver tonight, Jamie Wilson, Fox 12, Oregon. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Did you hear how many times it's been viewed? 38 million times. And one more. We just added it. You see, the world loves to be prayed for, to be loved unconditionally. The world longs for this. When we see the world as turning away from God and turning away from faith, it's not probably as true as we might suggest. You see, what they want is something like that, something that's real, something that in the hard, tough moments is its most powerful. Uh, I don't know if you caught it, but she said, the picture, she said, I really didn't even get it in the moment. But the picture changed the moment and it redeemed it. It redeemed the moment. She was able to look back at how incredible and how special the moment was. These guys are just doing what they do. They're everyday people. But not, not to her. And do you realize because of this, other people have prayed for people. Because of this, others have wanted prayer. Because of this, others have chosen to be vulnerable. It's what we do. See, this was opportunistic. Now, theirs went viral. I'm convinced many more can and will. Which ones will you see? Which ones will you capture? Which ones will capture you? My final question is, who will decide? Who will make that decision? This is this is our story. This is our story. And we are completely equipped to live that life. To make that difference. Are we watching? Are we listening? the purse I'm carrying, the crowd of people moving ahead of me, the line I'm in, the delay I'm experiencing, the difficulty in my life. 
Am I aware? It's just opportunities. It's all opportunities. If you would stand.